trust you all have your turkeys picked out and uh, your vegetable list made up. We, we uh, had a discussion in our family yesterday. We said, okay, kids, everyone gets to choose a vegetable. And Solomon says, mac and cheese. <laughs> that's, his, that's his favorite vegetable. So um, I guess we'll be having turkey and mac and cheese on Thursday. But, you know, as we are prepared to celebrate Thanksgiving, what I'd like to do this morning, uh, John just asked me yesterday if I could share a few things uh, the, this morning. So what I'd like to do is just uh, for a few minutes, look at what the Bible says about Thanksgiving, right? Because um, the basis of what I want to share this morning is we've kind of been sold a bit of a, a misconception about what Thanksgiving is. Let me tell you a story. Uh, this is a true life story from my life, and it started last Saturday. Uh, last weekend, I got asked to go and uh, minister and, and officiate a wedding anniversary for a, a pastoral couple, and they were celebrating 40 years of ministry and 40 years of marriage. And so I said, yeah, I'd love to do it, be honored to do it, prepared for it. And so it was down in Florida. I traveled from here to Jacksonville. And uh, on the way to the airport, I get a text message saying that I had been upgraded to first class on my flight. And suddenly I felt very important. <laughs> and I felt very thankful to God. I thought, oh, thank you, Jesus. That's wonderful. I don't have to sit at the back with all the riffraff back there in their economy plebeian seats. I can sit first class and have a real plastic cup of iced water, not one of those paper cups, you know. And I was first class, and it was, it was wonderful. And so I flew from Charlotte to Jacksonville, and I landed in Jacksonville Airport, and I was in that first class mood, very thankful of all that God has done in my life, and I went to get my car that I'd booked, a you know, rental car. So I went to the rental desk, and I said, Hi, I'm Matt Woodhouse, first class passenger, uh, here to pick up my car. And I booked it online, and it was, I, was, I was shocked how much it was when I booked it. Well, they, she started tapping on her computer. She said, oh, yeah, there's, there's, there's. Uh, insurance, yes, attacks, uh, fees, yeah. And she quoted me double what it was going to be. And um, I was rather annoyed. And I will say that nothing of thanksgiving came into my heart, mind, or out of my mouth. But I got in the car. They swiped the credit card. I prayed for the best and uh, started my hour and a half drive. And as I drove towards my hotel that my friends had booked for me, I realized it was on Beach Boulevard. And I started to get quite thankful again, you know? <laughs> I'm driving down Beach Boulevard. And, oh, that's a nice hotel. Oh, the Hilton on the beach. No, don't turn. I've got my GPS telling me where to go. And I'm driving down Beach Boulevard, going past all of these nice hotels. And then the scenery starts to change a little bit. You know what I mean? And, uh, and then uh, my navigation system said, you have reached your destination. And I looked at my left. And my heart of thanksgiving was nowhere to be found. It was... Um, there are children in the room, so I'm not going to talk about the kind of hotel it was, but it, it wasn't the finest establishment, okay? But I checked into my room. It had a bed, a toilet, and a shower. So we're, we're good, the main three, right? So I was good with there, and it had a door that locked. Rattled a bit, but it did lock. But uh, I headed out, got in the car, headed out to a prearranged evening meal with some good friends of mine and some new friends, and it was lovely. 
And I found myself being so thankful. They had real burgers, like not, not kind of fake meat, like good real burgers. You can have medium rare if you want. It's real meat. And the fellowship was wonderful. I'm just thanking God. God, you're so good. I'm just so thankful for friends in different states and wonderful food. Thank you for your goodness in my life. And it was amazing. And uh, I got back to my accommodation later that evening and the parties had broken out in the hotel. And the parties went on until about 1 o'clock in the morning. And um, I'm, I'm not going to be one of those people that calls the reception. Will you please stop the parties going on? Because we've all been there, haven't we? But I just didn't want to be there at that time. Eventually, I fall asleep, maybe 1, 1.30, only to be woken up at 2.30 in the morning by the hotel fire alarm going off. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but I thought it was the last trumpet. I, I sat bolt upright in bed and I thought, what's my theology? Am I supposed to be here or not? I'm not sure. Oh, it's okay. It's just, it's just the fire alarm. I didn't know if I was going to be seeing chariots and horses and flaming fire and all that, but it was just the, the alarm. Someone had been smoking something they shouldn't have been smoking. You know what I mean? The marriage bananas. They'd been going in one of the rooms. And... Uh, the alarm had gone off. So anyway, being an Englishman, I don't run straight out. See, the Englishman, we're not seen in our pajamas in public. So I threw on my jeans, a shirt, put my wallet, phone, keys, step outside, and I see a bunch of, excuse my terminology, rednecks running around in their underwear. <laughs> so, oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, where's the fire, man? Where's the fire? I'll, I'll put the fire out. I got it. And I'm like there saying, Jesus, I love you, but I'm not very thankful right now. It's 2.30 in the morning, and I'm looking at three 50-pound men running around in their wife fronts. Are you okay? I'm just, just checking. The next day, I, I, I got a few hours sleep, not many, a few hours sleep, and got up, jumped in my car, had a, about a, almost a two-hour drive from where I was staying to where the uh, service was going to be and where the wedding or the renewal, vow renewal place was going to be. And I was just thankful to God. I get a chance to celebrate a couple that have served God for 40 years, been married for 40 years still pastor in a church, just a wonderful couple. And it was just, it was beautiful. Family and friends gathered, and they said I'd do it the right moment, and I didn't fluff my lines, and everything was good. There was a beautiful reception afterwards, and it was just wonderful. I was just so thankful to God. And then uh, I had to head back to the airport after everything was done, so I bid my farewells. I hugged on some necks of dear friends, hugged on some necks of some new friends, and my heart was just full of thanksgiving. I got in my car, put my uh, phone there, GPS going. 20 minutes in the ride, I get a text fl flashes up, your flight's been delayed by 30 minutes. Oh, 30 minutes, that's okay. That's a cup of coffee. I'm good with that. So I, I, I drive a bit further, and about, about every 20 minutes, my phone flashed up, delayed another 30 minutes. Delayed another 30 minutes. Now, I'm not an angry driver. I'm a very polite driver. After you, no, no, after you, no, go first, please. I'm a polite driver most of the time. Kids, don't say a word. 
Smile nicely right now, okay? <laughs> okay, every now and then, they, I do have a line that they do repeat. <laughs> Parents, you know how you are as a car because your kids say, like, so, sometimes we'll be stuck behind a car and one of my kids will say, buddy, it's not getting any greener. <laughs> so I guess they've heard that from somewhere. <laughs> Darlene. Anyway, my flight finally took off after midnight. And I was ready to write a fairly strongly worded letter to the airlines. And I realized that no one's going to read it, so why bother? But not much Thanksgiving going on. I did arrive home eventually at 2.45 in the morning to my house. And I was so thankful to be home, I walked in... Just the smell of home, you know. It's just wonderful. I listen, Mike, it was all peaceful. Darlene was fast asleep. The kids were asleep. The dog was asleep. And as I tiptoed through the house, I was just so thankful to be home until I remembered we only have one car. Other car had broken down, so I had to be up at 5 o'clock in the morning to drive Darlene to work. And my teeth started gnashing somewhat. And all of that just in about 36 hours of time. Thankful, mad. Thankful, ungrateful. Thankful, really annoyed with people. Thankful, can you turn that alarm off, please? And right here is the problem with Thanksgiving. We've been pre-programmed to be thankful for all the good stuff that happens. So when I say, I, I was going to do this, but I didn't want you to feel bad. I was going to say, everyone get a pen and paper out, or your notepad, or your iPad, or your phone, or whatever, and write down three things you're thankful for. And I know what you say, oh, I'm so thankful to Jesus for my salvation. I'm so thankful for my church. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful that I have a safe house, a warm house, and I have food on my table. But none of us say, I'm really thankful for the pain I went through last week. We don't say that, do we? But you see, we've been pre-programmed to be thankful, not for the wrong stuff, but to, for the reduced stuff. You'll see where I'm going with this in a moment. I believe it's good to be thankful for the good stuff. It's appropriate. It's worthy. But I think we've also missed the point. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, you know this verse. Verse 16, 17, and 18. Paul says this, Rejoice always. That's one verse. Next verse, pray without ceasing. Next verse, what's the next verse? Oh, it's up there. You cheated. <laughs> in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's take a, um, a few moments to look at this verse. Uh, we know we're to give thanks, right? We, we get that part. We're Christians. We live in America, proud to be an American. We're going to be thankful people. Now, the Greek word that Paul uses here, where you see give thanks, is the Greek word eucharisto. And eucharisto is, is broken into two parts. You've got the charis element, charisto, charis, which means grace, and chara means joy. And then you've got the you bit of eucharisto, which means it is well with you. And so when we bring this all together, giving thanks Eucharisto is a decision. It's a choice to be joy-filled and living in grace with an expectation that it will be well with me, whatever is happening at that very moment. 
That is giving thanks. Giving thanks is not stepping up once that good thing happens. But giving thanks is living with grace and joy and an expectancy that God is going to do something great, even though I don't see it right now. A little different from, I'm so thankful for my 25-pound turkey. A little different from, I'm so thankful for first-class flying. Because that's already happened. Any idiot can be thankful for something good that's just happened, right? Did we come to church and he called me an idiot? No, because you don't do that. I'm just reminding us of something. You see, there's nothing to say that this word Eucharisto is tied to what's good stuff that's happening right now. We're simply called, whatever's happening in my life and your life, we are simply called to be a people who give thanks. Then we're to give thanks, the scripture says here, in everything. This simple phrase is key to us not missing the blessing of Eucharisto. Notice Paul doesn't say give thanks in the good times. He doesn't say give thanks to the pe- for the people who are kind to you. He doesn't say give thanks when you're financially blessed. We're good at that, aren't we? He doesn't say give thanks when it's going well. He doesn't say give thanks when that person moves out the way and says, no, you take the last parking spot. Paul says, and he spreads the net so much wider, he says, we are to give thanks in everything. You see, as followers of Jesus, our posture should be Eucharisto. That's our very lifestyle. It should not be mandated by what's happening to us. We shouldn't be a Eucharisto people. It's almost like the Macarena, isn't it? Hey, Eucharisto. We shouldn't be a Eucharisto. I lost some of you right there. It's okay. Just those who went to parties in the 80s. Um, okay, I've lost my mind, my track. <laughs> we shouldn't just be Eucharisto people at certain times of the day or certain times of the year or when certain things happen. That is who we are. We're called to be people of thanksgiving. When I'm not in good health, I've had a few bad health reports in my life, but when I'm not in good health, I should still be thankful. When things go wrong in my home, I should still be thankful. When the car costs double of what I thought it was going to cost at the airport, I should still be thankful. When someone in my church annoys me, oh, we can't go there, can we? Well, when someone in my church annoys me, I should still be thankful. When none of my 253 Facebook friends like or comment on my hilarious and inspiring post, I should still be thankful. You see, we're called to be different. We're called to be holy, set apart. And part of the difference as us, as followers of Jesus, is that we can be thankful in every situation. Whatever's happening, we can be thankful. Amen? It's one of the things I love about John and Christine Morgan. I just love the way they have a thankful outlook on life. And you know they're very vulnerable with some of the pains and the heartbreaks they've been through in their lives. And yet when you stand and talk, if you get to know them, and let me tell you, those two are people who are worth getting to know. Don't just high-five them on a Sunday. Get to know them. And when you get to know them, you'll see they understand what it is to have a Eucharisto heart, to be thankful to God in every circumstance. Get to know that. In I just love that about them. So yes, we're to give thanks, and yes, we're to give thanks in everything. But there's another level of this, and that is why do we do that? Well, because of this scripture, it says, this is the will of God for you. God's will 
God's purpose, God's plan and destiny for you is wrapped up in you being thankful in every situation. In other words, when you grumble because things don't go your way, when you complain because things are tough, when you moan and groan because I deserve better than this, when you do those things, you step out of the will of God. Because in the will of God, there is no room for ungratefulness. I cannot be ungrateful and be in the will of God. Because right here we've said, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So thanksgiving automatically obtains me the place of being in the will of God. I don't know the will of God in my life. You know how many times we might say that? What's the will of God for my life? What should I be doing? Be thankful. There's, you're, as soon as you're thankful, you step into the will of God. It says it right here in Scriptures. And if you're in Christ, if you're a new creation, if you're a follower of Jesus, then the will of God for you is that you give thanks in every situation. Maybe you're in trouble right now. Well, that's okay. The Bible says we'd have trouble situations. Jesus said in John 16, I've told you this, that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. I love that. As we truly understand thanksgiving and live this Eucharisto lifestyle, there'll be nothing, no circumstance, no pain, no difficulty, no bill, no rude comment on Facebook, no challenge that can take you out of the will of God because you say, I'm a thankful believer. I'm a thankful child of God. So as I've pondered this, even this morning I was wondering, well, if I know this, that I'm to be a thankful Christian, how do we Eucharisto equally through the joy-filled times and the pain-filled times? Because as I pointed out to you, first-class tickets and wonderful weddings and things like that cause great joy and thanksgiving. But ugly surprises in life can sometimes be discouraging to us. How do we stay in that place? How do we practically walk out the path and the life of thanksgiving when we're bombarded on all sides with disappointments and rejection and failing and discouragement and abandonment and loss and heartache and sickness? Well, when I don't know what to do, I generally look at the life of Jesus and I try and say, what would Jesus do? Remember those little wristbands? And uh, I found a scripture that gives us some insight as to what Jesus would do regarding thanksgiving. And it's not really a thanksgiving scripture, but it's got thanksgiving in it. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 22. And we're going to spend about five or ten minutes here, and then we can dismiss. Is that okay? No one said yes, but no one said no. So we're good. Luke 22, starting at verse 14. When the hour had come, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, hmm, he said, take this and share it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I'll not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. Verse 19, and when he had 
taken some bread and given thanks. He broke it and said to them and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So instead of only being thankful for the good stuff and then being grumpy or complaining about the things that are going wrong or not as planned, we've learned there's a kingdom of God option, right? And that option is Eucharisto. And as we look at the context right here of Jesus giving thanks twice in this passage, it wasn't casual or meaningless. So there's, there's a verse in the Bible that says, all scripture is breathed by God. All scripture is, is inspired by God. And so if we believe that, we have to believe that every word, every, uh, every context of every word, every part of every word is breathed by the Lord in our scriptures. Because either the Bible is true or it's not. And so we can skip over little pieces when he had given thanks. When he had given thanks, he says it twice, such a small word. And yet, actually, it's quite powerful because it's tucked into a scenario where Jesus is sharing this last supper with his disciples, knowing that he's about to be betrayed, his body's about to be butchered, and he's going to be hung on a cross and die the most awful death and carry the sins of the world. And yet his preface to that is when he had given thanks. When he had given thanks. His words and his heart of thanksgiving weren't based on the comfort and pleasure of where he was at the moment. And our Eucharisto, our thanksgiving, can't rely and rest solely on a foundation of turkey and football or any of the other current pleasures of life. At this very moment, Jesus knew he was going to go face to face with the darkest of nights and the most horrific of pains. And knowing that, he stepped into the realm of Eucharisto, of being thankful. So how did he do it? And as we draw to a close, I want to share three things that he did. That if you're going through a challenging time and you say, I don't know how to be thankful in that, Matt. This is too difficult. This financial burden is too hard to bear. This health report is too much to carry. This relational stress is too much. I don't know if I can be thankful in those things or any other thing it might be. I want to give us three simple lessons that Jesus did before he was about to step into his darkest night. Number one, take time to relax. I, I learned when I came to America... 20 years ago that many things America does better than much of Europe. But one thing that Europe does better than America is relax and vacate, vacations. Uh, maybe I've told you this before. If I, haven't, if I have, forgive me. I, I came to America. I've been a pastor for 20 years. Uh, was, uh, went into a pastoral position and when, when I sat down, they said, I'm, we've, we've got very good news for you. We want to let you know we've given you the best vacation package that anyone on our staff has. I thought, well, that's great. Now, let me just go back a bit. In England, you start any job, any job. Day one, you've got four weeks paid vacation. My sister has been in her job for about 10 years, I think, and she has seven weeks paid vacation a year. So that was my mindset. That's where I came from, okay? 
So we're having this conversation. I said, oh, very good. That's wonderful. And then the, the, the guy opposite me said, yes, you, you get 10 days paid vacation. I said, oh, no, 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 no. That's not going to work. I'm so sorry. Because at, at that moment, I won't tell you the outcome, but at that moment, you're kind of intrigued, aren't you? Did you break into a fight? What happened? I was just thankful. that I knew how to argue my case. Um, but I realized at that moment, and it's been evidenced over and over again, that in this country, we are not very good at relaxing. Here's how we relax. We sit on our couch, press a button, and watch other people being stressed. Right? Tell me it's not true. It is. Whether you watch the news, house hunters, escape to Alaska, whatever it might be, you're watching other people struggle through life after you've spent the whole day struggling through life. And he's saying, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just relaxing. <laughs> Verse 14, when the hour had come, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him. See, it's so easy to allow what's happening around us or what's coming at us to affect what goes on inside us. And Jesus' disciples, his followers, have been reduced to this small group, and he, he sits in the betrayal, uh, in, he sits in the presence of betrayal and dysfunction right here. And he, he, his situation seems apparently insignificant. He's got all the ingredients for fear and depression and abandonment, and yet we're told that he reclines at the table. You see, Jesus knew how to rest. He knew how to relax. And I want to say this to you. One of the keys that I've learned in life to follow the example of Jesus, it's okay to relax sometimes, even when other people think you should be doing stuff. Sometimes you, and I don't know who this is for. There's someone needs to hear this. I'm, I'm speaking as Michael Jackson did to the man in the mirror. But there's others here as well. You need to relax a bit more. You need to go on vacation. You need to, I can't afford to go on vacation. We'll do a staycation, but relax a bit more. Recline at the table a little more. Slow the thing down. It's one of the keys to becoming a Eucharisto follower of Christ. And uh, I tell you, when I go, I go 110 miles an hour, but I have learned to relax and to chill with those that are important to me, those who God's put in my life, and with the presence of the Lord. And there's the key right there. It's not about escaping your life for two days so you can come back to more mayhem. It's about learning to be a believer who is relaxed in the presence of God. If you can do that, it will cause this heart of, and attitude of thanksgiving to well up inside you and it was almost going to be unstoppable as we look to be a people who give thanks in everything there's such a lesson here relax take time to relax whatever's going on in your life take time to relax it's not easy but figure out how you can do it if you see someone in life who's a real relaxed person, take them out for lunch and say, how do you do it? I want to learn how to be like you and be like Jesus and relax even in these difficult situations. It's critical. Lesson two. Lesson two to being thankful. You can't do it alone. 
you need community. It says in that same verse, when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Now, they were a raggedy bunch. And before you start chuckling, look around this room. We're a raggedy bunch, aren't we? There's a few of us who are misfits here. There's a few of us who don't even know where we fit, but we're here. This is community. This is family right here. You see, for many, the tendency when difficulty is close at hand is to withdraw and isolate and get away from everybody else. And sometimes there's a place for that. Jesus gave us that example. There were times when he separated from the disciples and went to be alone with the Father. But right here, when he could have been the most unthankful because the most terrible things were about to happen to him, he decides to gather with his community, with those that were dear and near to his heart, with those that he shared life with. He was thankful, but he didn't just be thankful alone. He took time to relax with those that he had relationship with. For three years, 24-7, he built these relationships that we call friendships. And he knew these 12 friends, this community, was a big key to him being thankful in this storm. Who do you have? I know that some of you here have been wounded by community. Some have been hurt by friendships. Some of you have been abandoned by brothers or sisters. You've been shunned and you've been rejected. And the temptation is to say never again. Just to be vulnerable with you, I came to a realization that my deepest pain, the deepest hurts in my life, didn't come from the attacks of the enemy that I faced. But they came from the rejection and abandonment of friends that I'd given myself to. That's where my deepest hurts and pains were. And so the temptation then is to say, well, only this far. I'm only going to allow friendships to go this far. I'm not letting anything else back in here because I don't want this to get hurt again. But here's the cold, hard truth. We were created by God for community, for family, for friendship. That's who God's made us be. And I want to encourage you, take the risk again and embrace it. Embrace relationships again. If you've stopped having people into your home, start opening your home up again. If you stop sharing things of your heart, wisely, carefully, but share those things of your heart. This is a safe place for that. John and Christine have created a safe environment. That's why many of us are here, right? Because we know there's safety here. Third lesson, and we'll finish with this. If we want to be a Eucharisto people, is to embrace the calm that comes before the storm. It says in verse 15, He said to them, I've earnestly desired, say that again, I've earnestly desired, to eat this Passover with you before I s suffer. Jesus knew this storm was coming. He understood what was down the road, and it wasn't cookies and warm milk and blankets and snuggles, and yet he tells his friends while he's relaxed at the table, he says, guys, I've been really looking forward to this. He embraced that moment he was in. You see, so often we know there's something coming, and we don't have thankful hearts because we're just looking over the hill at what's coming. 
I don't know exactly what it is, but I know it's going to be bad because it's always bad in my life. And we live our life that way. Jesus knew what was coming over the hill, but he still said, you know what? I'm having supper with my friends. And there ain't nothing anyone's going to do to stop me. He embraced the calm before the storm. He took time to enjoy that moment, even though he knew a storm was coming. He stayed thankful, even though he knew something terrible was happening. No panic, no prepping, no planning an escape. Just peace and calm around a table with his friends. And I don't know what you're facing today. You may be facing foreclosure, car repossession, sickness, family tensions. Whatever you're bracing yourself for as we step into this Thanksgiving week, here's the beautiful truth. God has a place of peace. He has a slice of calm. Who doesn't like the biggest slice of cake? He has a huge slice of calm for you. Don't push it away. Don't make excuses because of the past to not enjoy the peace-filled moments that God is providing for you. They are part of his pathway to a Eucharisto lifestyle. So here we are, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Not what any of us expected. You thought you were going to hear your beloved pastor speak a word of encouragement. Instead, you got some English guy telling stories about rednecks in their underwear. But here we are anyway, stepping into the Thanksgiving week. But my prayer is that today is a restart for us, an on-ramp to being a disciple, a follower of Jesus who says, I will give thanks in everything. You see, today we have the choice to either release the fire of thanksgiving into the hot air balloon of your life, or we can just slash the canvas and crash and burn. So I'm going to ask you a question. Don't answer it, but answer it in your heart. Will you believe what has been spoken this morning from the Word of God? Will you take a risk and believe there's not a single circumstance that can rob you of your Eucharisto? Because your Eucharisto, your thanksgiving, is not based on what's happening around you. That felt like a good one. <laughs> Woo! There's a few people here thinking, man, I wish I could be that real. <laughs> what I just say it because I know you're all thinking it, right? <laughs> so let's just break the ice, get it said. <laughs> Whatever challenges, pains, obstacles that come your way the rest of this week or even this year, every situation can be bathed in Eucharisto and thanksgiving. Let's finish with this scripture. In Colossians 3.15, Paul says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called one body, and be thankful. So this week, I want to encourage you, take time to rest. Risk community again, relationships again, and embrace his calm. Follow the example of Jesus, and you'll have just about everything you need to practically walk out the path and life of being a thankful believer, whatever happens. Let's stand and pray, shall we? I thank you, Lord, for your scriptures. I thank you for the 
just the foundation that they create in our lives. It says in Psalm chapter 9, David said, I'll give thanks to the Lord with all my heart, and I will tell of his wonders. And we choose today to be a people who give thanks with all of our hearts. We want to be just like you, Jesus. We have hearts of Eucharisto. Unwavering thanksgiving, not dependent on what's happening around us. So we say today, Lord, that we will give thanks. We will give thanks in everything. And we will give thanks in everything because we know this positions us right in the center of your will. And I just pray now for those in our family to whom thanksgiving before they came in this door was not the obvious choice for the situation they find themselves in. And I ask that you would give them the courage to be thankful in their difficult situation. Lord, teach us to relax. Teach us just to sit back and lean in your presence and lean into your arms. Teach us to be a people who know how to relax in the presence of the Lord, whatever's happening around us. I thank you for that, Lord. And Father, we thank you for the community, for the family that is here right now in this place. Would you forgive us, Lord, for pushing people away because other people have hurt us? So we say as we become a people who are thankful in everything that we know we need one another to do that. So we embrace the one another's in this room. Father, give us the grace and the courage to open our hearts up and be vulnerable. Thank you. That's a pathway to thanksgiving. And Lord, whatever storm is coming, we choose to be thankful. Not just on Thursday between 12 and 2, but we choose to be a thankful people. Whatever comes our way, whatever battles we face, whatever celebrations we have, we choose to be thankful. We say today we reposition thankfulness from being a response to being a characteristic. Someone needs that. We reposition thanksgiving from being a response to something good happening. And Lord God, we choose to be thankful people whatever's going to happen. And again, Lord, we just take a moment now to pray for John and Christine as they travel. Give them safe travels. Clear hearts and effective words as they serve their friends and as they pour out once again to another family. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're thankful for them. We're thankful for, for this place. And God, we're thankful for who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving week to you. I hope you have a great one. I hope your turkey is the best it's ever been. And whatever comes your way, be thankful. Amen. Woo!